I want to take as my text this morning that reading from Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 18. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 618, Psalm 139, and beginning at verse 1, which I'd like us to look at again. Psalm 139, and beginning at verse 1. The psalm is attributed to David. I don't see why it couldn't be his psalm. Rather sounds like him. Psalm 139, and beginning at verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Verse 13, for you formed mine inward parts and knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed or ordained for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. This morning I want to talk about being known by the God who wants to know. Being known by the God who wants to know. It seems to me an extraordinary thing, not only that God knows you, knows me just as He knows everything, but that God wants to know you. And this is an extraordinary thing indeed. And this is where the psalmist begins, that God wants to know you. Indeed, notice again verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and have known me. And so God not only knows you, but he wants to know you. Indeed, God seeks you out because he wants to find you. And he wants to find you because he wants to know you. And that's because you matter to God. Indeed, if you didn't matter to God, he wouldn't seek you out. God would ignore you, but he doesn't ignore you. He seeks you out. Indeed, God wants to know you. And then the psalm says, and what God knows about you is everything. And this maybe is where it gets a little scary. <laughs> you know all those things that you know about yourself and you trust that nobody else knows? Somebody else knows. <laughs> God knows. Indeed, God knows everything there is to know about you. Indeed, notice again verses 2 and 6. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. 
You discern my thoughts and understand them from afar. You search out my path, the ways that I travel, and my, my lying down, and you're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, when I've thought it, but I hadn't gotten to speak it yet, behold, you know it all together. You hem me in. You're behind me. You're before me. You lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't attain it. And so God knows everything there is to know about you, just as God knows everything about everything else. <laughs> in fact, in theology, we sometimes refer to this as God's omniscience, omniscience, or all-knowingness, as we might say. The late pastor theologian R.C. Sproul described God, God's omniscience in this way. He said that God is omniscient means that God knows everything about everything and everybody at the same time. He knows the future no less than he knows the past and the present and possible events that have, have, have never happened no less than actual events that do happen. Nor does he have to search for information about things as a computer might retrieve a file. All that God knows, he knows immediately. And what he knows is directly before him. C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed, that adds to this truth that God loves us even though he knows all about us. Indeed, God's love and God's knowledge, Lewis says, are not distinct from each other. But he says God loves us even though he knows. And so God knows all about us. As the psalmist says, he knows when you sit down. And he knows when you stand up. He knows when you're out and about. I was thinking about that as I was driving here today. I'm with you, Scott, in the car. I'm watching. He knows when we're out and about. He knows when we lie down to rest. Indeed, God is aware of everything that we do. As the psalmist says, God knows your every thought. In fact, we're told over and over in the scriptures that he is the judge of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How could he do that if he didn't know our intentions and our thoughts? The psalmist says that, Lord, even before you speak, before I speak, you know what I'm going to say. Even before I say it. And that wherever you go, the psalmist says, God is there. It's interesting, there's a whole section on this particular point that isn't a part of our actual text, but it's right here in Psalm 139. Indeed, verses 7 through 12. Notice, wherever you go, God is there. Notice, beginning at verse 7. And where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I go to escape you? Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. 
If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness will cover me, the darkness will hide me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. <laughs> God can see in the dark. <laughs> even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And so wherever we go, God is there. And so what God knows about you is everything. Which is something that the psalmist considers to be an unqualified marvel. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he said, I don't know everything. In fact, I know very little. Even though I can see and I can hear and I can feel. And I have these senses to help me know what's going on around me. It's very, very little that I know. The fact, Lord, that you can know all of these things about me and that you know all of these things about everybody else is beyond me. Indeed, notice verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for to me. It's too awesome. It's too high. I can't attain it. Finally, the psalmist says that God has known everything there is to know about you from the very beginning. Notice verses 13 through 18. For you formed me in mine inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm, I'm fearfully or awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. <laughs> My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret where nobody else could see <laughs> in the depths of the earth. Not in heaven, but down here in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were ordained or formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts for me, O oh God! How vast the sum of them! If I were to count them, they would be more than the sea. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm still with you. And so the psalmist says that from the very beginning, even in your mother's womb, God was there, as the psalmist says, knitting you together. <laughs> what an interesting metaphor. The point is, is that God is you, your creator. You are his creation, his handiwork. And he knows all about you. Indeed, the psalmist says that God formed your inward parts. Literally, in the Hebrew, the word is kidneys which in ancient times was believed to be the seat of one's spirit, one's emotions and thoughts and character and everything that's immaterial to you, the, the thing that animates your body, 
In other words, what, what the, the psalmist is saying, that you, you, have, you created the immaterial part of me. And so we read in the prophet Zechariah in chapter 12 and verse 1, it is the Lord who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. And the psalmist says that when you were yet unseen in the womb, I, I, I thought we were going to have a boy. Uh, we had a girl. Uh, we were going to call our boy George. Oh, I didn't mean to put those two words together, boy George. <laughs> you have to be my age to understand them. I always loved the name George, and we were going to have a George. And, uh, but we ended up having a Victoria. For several years, my father called Victoria, Victoria George. <laughs> but how, how, could I, how could I know? I mean, it's an easy mistake to make. Why? Because I couldn't see what was going on there. And uh, as it happened, uh, we, uh, I was the first to, we had uh, Victoria Caesarean. Linda had, <laughs> me, but Linda had uh, Victoria Caesarean. And while she was, I was in there uh, in the operating room and everything, and then everything kind of quieted down, and the nurse came and touched me on the shoulder and said, Mr. Thompson, would you like to see your daughter? And I was rather surprised. But, of course, that was 24 years ago now. But God knew who she was. In fact, God was the only one, seemingly. Uh, we didn't, uh, I, guess you, I guess they could, yeah, they, we didn't want to know. We'd, I guess you can poke around in there now. Right? But certainly in these days, right? When you were unseen in the womb, and as your body was beginning to take shape, the psalmist says God saw your frame, literally in the Hebrew, your bones. And even before that stage of pre- natal development, when, the, when the, you, your substance in the womb had, had hardly even taken any kind of discernible shape. The psalmist says, God saw you and was mindful even at that moment of the entirety of your life. Every day that you would live and the day of your death even as your life was only just beginning. It, made, it reminded me of something that Christine Kane wrote in her book, Undaunted. She said, God knew me and loved me even before I was me. <laughs> even before you were you, God knew you and loved you. And the psalmist says that from beginning to end, the sum total of God's thoughts toward you are more numerous than the sands on the seashores. And that when you wake up each morning to a new day, what was true about God's knowledge of you the day before is true again today. After listening to all that the psalmist says about God knowing us, one might conclude that God, in fact, is thinking about us all the time. 
And this makes me wonder what life might, like, might be like for us if we were to think of God only half as much as God thinks about us. What do you think? Being known by the God who wants to know you. Let us pray. Lord, what can you do to flatter us? <laughs> what could you do? Well, let's see now. You created us in your image and likeness. You think about us day and night. You've done everything you can to see us safe. It's in you that we live and move and have our being. And on and on, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. All the promises that you make. <laughs> Why should anything else be able in our own minds to take your place for you alone are God. Help us to remember just how there you are. <laughs> when we turn to the right, you're there. When we turn to the left, when we look behind us, when we look ahead, there you are. Saying, walk with me. Recognize me. Don't ignore me. I'm not ignoring you. Even when it seems like I might be ignoring you, I'm very intently focused on what it is that I'm doing in your life. So help us to respond. Don't let us be like those who, as John described it, and the Logos, the Word, took on flesh and dwelt among us. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Don't let us be unreceptive. Let us receive you and enter into this communion that you want so much to have with us, we pray. For our soul's health and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.